Zimmer as the head coach of our favorite football team. The news breaking two weeks ago now, uh, as we did pod last week, but Spielman and Zimmer both fired last Monday from the Vikings after uh, a meaningless win over the Chicago Bears, and it leaves the Vikings now with uh, a lot of head-scratching going on, especially with the, the news coming out this week from the Ben Gessling story that apparently at some point in the final weeks of the season, Mike Zimmer addressed the team uh, with a presentation on a Wednesday uh, during a game week of all the issues that have gone wrong in Minnesota over the last eight years with uh, Peterson's suspension in 2014, Bridgewater's injury, missed field goals from Blair Walsh, uh, and just a really odd story that Zimmer would be pleading his case with his own football team during a game week in which the season was still uh, up in question. I mean, there was still a chance, I guess, unless it was leading into that Week 18 game. But regardless of just that story, there was other stories, too, about uh, Eric Kendricks and Brian O'Neill both talking to the media. Uh, I think it was Tuesday after they fired him last week, saying how Zimmer was basically unapproachable. Uh, the, the same could be said about Spielman. That I think O'Neill even said that Spielman at times was acting like Billy Bean from Moneyball. Uh, meaning that he didn't want a relationship with the players at all. He wanted to look at them as numbers on a page and figure out his roster that way. So just a, a very dramatic last two weeks for your Minnesota Vikings, and, and they're left with a bunch of questions on the offensive line, a defense that has been terrible the last two seasons, and a, a big question at quarterback, what we're going to do heading into the offseason. And uh, first we've got to find a GM and a head coach. But uh, a, a traumatic last couple of weeks for Minnesota Vikings. BG, any thoughts from the end of the season to the firing of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman? Just to add about the unique relationship that uh, Zimmer had with the Vikings and Spielman with, had with the Vikings, I heard that um, Spielman and Zimmer had not talked for months leading up to that day they got fired. Um, and we had already touched on Zimmer in the past, not talking to quarterbacks. And this is the first year that um, Zimmer has actually sat down with the first string quarterback and gone over film, which you would think would be a automatic thing um, that you expect, expect the head coach and the quarterback to do. And now you hear that the GM and the head coach haven't talked for months. It just further explains the, just the, the relationship and personality didn't really work out for Zimmer in the end, I think. Um, and for, for whatever reason, he didn't mesh well with Spielman at the end. So um, we've been saying it for, I don't know, however many podcasts previously, but it's, it's good we finally got rid of Zimmer for sure. Um, I was on the 50-50 train with Spielman, but as more and more stuff comes out about not talking to the head coach, not getting to know the players at a personal level, um, I think it was good that we just swiped uh, the plate clean and, and now we start over with the search for a new GM, hopefully we have in the coming weeks, and then after that a, a new head coach who will take this football team and hopefully change the culture of it kind of like TJ Fleck did 
with the Minnesota Gophers. And I know the culture in a college football locker room and NFL locker room is different, but it'd be nice to have a, a head coach who sits down with the quarterback and talks about film and, Hey, what plays do you think we should call or shouldn't call and has a good relationship with the GM. It seems like all the, the winning franchises in all, in all sports have coaches and front office guys with, with great relationships with each other and with the players. So um, to wrap it up, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that Zimmer is gone. I'm happy that he's gone. I'm fine with Spielman being gone and I'm just ready to turn the chapter and hopefully not settle for either GM and head coach and, and find a good one and who's available for us. Yeah. I haven't looked too much into the, the GMs they've been interviewing. I should have wrote them all down. I, th- I know they were talking to, uh, I think it was the Kansas city guy. They have an interview lined up with, uh, I believe somebody from San Francisco and then maybe somebody from the Packers as well. Um, I don't know a ton on, on the general manager side of things. We'll go through the odds uh, on the head coaching side of things. Uh, Doug Peterson leading the way at plus 350 uh, on odds to become the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of issues. Like I mentioned, Kirk, what do you do with him? We can get into that. Uh, but just kind of putting a bow here on Spielman's, or uh, rather Zimmer's time in Minnesota. He will leave the Vikings as the third winningest coach in Vikings history. He was 72-56-1 in eight seasons uh, with a 2-3 and three record in the playoffs yeah and when you hear about the the climate in the Vikings facility uh, the last and it sounds like it's just from the last couple of years maybe the the Zimmer stuff was happening before too but winning fixes a lot and for Zimmer to make it eight years means he was a good coach I mean he was a good coach for most of his time here it was the last two seasons and I think even the arrogance that he carried the last two seasons with the post-game interviews the 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 weird relationship with his head, with his with his quarterback, the weird relationship you'd have even with uh, some defensive players. He'd blame losses on certain people. He would, you know, throw his quarterback under the bus. He would do all kinds of weird things in the media, and then he would also say, "Oh, I've never had a bad defense." Uh, he said that in 2020 before the season started. I've never had a bad a bad defense, and and I'm not anticipating one. Well, we end up having, uh, I think it was a bottom five defense last year in a bottom three defense this year. Uh, and those words really came back to bite Zim. And I think, you know, hearing what happened in the final weeks that he's pleading his case to a bunch of players who have no say uh, in the security of his job was uh, was a strange thing to hear coming out of, out of the Vikings facility. Uh, but it's time to move on. I think it's good to get a clean slate. It's good to get rid of Spielman as well. He really struggled the last two seasons with, drafting players that we needed to fill roles. I mean, those were two critical drafts, 2020 and 2021, for Spielman. And we did get some guys. We got Justin Jefferson, uh, but then you mi- you miss uh, Jeff Gladney, uh, a big-time whiff in, in the 31st pick, I believe it was, of the of the 2020 draft. And then a guy like uh, Antoine Winfield, who we could have taken, turns out to be a big-time player, and, and he's already won a Super Bowl with the, with the uh, Buccaneers. I mean, think – Maybe Spielman would still have his job right now if he had just changed that pick around from, from Gladney to Winfield. But nevertheless, uh, we're moving on, and uh, we'll see what the next regime is going to do. With Kirk Cousins, what do you guys think, Zach? Maybe we can bring you in here. Uh, he's played pretty good the last two seasons in Minnesota. He had a shaky start to his time, but 
after I think it was the week five or week six bye week last season, Kirk's been, in my mind, a pretty phenomenal quarterback and worth every penny. Yeah, we've uh, during Sunday football days at uh, Jarrett and Brady's and Dylan's place, we uh, we always talk about that, and the room's pretty split. I could have just said Brady's house. Uh, the room's pretty split on on Kirk, and I like him. I really do. I it's a bummer that I I was thinking about this. I have a Kirk cousins ooh almost let it slip. Kirk cousins football team jersey. Um, but I uh, do not own a Kirk Cousins Vikings jersey, and I think it still holds true that I may have liked him a little more when he was on the uh, – ooh, we'll say it again. The football, football team. team. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like Kirk. He, he's a confident quarterback. He Statistically, he's there. I mean, he's right where we need him to be, but it just seems like there's something missing, like, a, like an edge or like a – I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I, it seems like he's going to do just enough to to have us fall just a bit short, which is not fair to say, not not fair to him, and it doesn't rest all on his shoulders. But it, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I feel. But if we kept him, I'd be I'd be a happy camper still. I'm I, I've got confidence in him, but there's just something that that's missing. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, he does. He at times he lacks the the it factor, if you will. Uh, yeah. to, to be able to, to have poise in late game situations. And he does do some boneheaded things at times. Like that one, one time this year he lines up behind the right guard and, and we <laughs> mentioned it at the time, but you know, he had Jefferson and I think maybe KJ Osborne ran on the field late. Then they lined up incorrectly. So he had his mind in other places. And if those mistakes don't happen before that play, if the play call gets in on time and they're not rushing to the line and, Jefferson and Osborne aren't lining up in the wrong position and all those things leading up to that don't happen, then Kirk's not even in that situation and he likely doesn't line up behind the right guard. Now, that being said, I think his end-of-game situations this year, the majority of the time, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the majority of the time we did end up getting that field goal or getting that touchdown and putting our defense in a position to win the game with a stop and they just weren't able to do it many, many times in the most obvious example is against Detroit where you got tiny Dantzler sitting 10 yards off a receiver on on sec, on fourth and goal with whatever two seconds left from from like the seven yard line and you got your cornerback who's you know been criticism or been been the recipient of a lot of criticism from Vikings fans and even from Zimmer uh, but nevertheless he's on the field in the final play of the game and on the side of the ball that Zimmer has prided himself on for his entire career uh, and you can't get the job done against the winless lions. And that was really in my mind, the final, uh, the final say, I guess, in, in whether Zimmer is going to be back for the next season. And obviously he's not back, but that, uh, that right yeah. there was a big reason why. Yeah. That game was pivotal and it you know, horrible ending, but yeah, I had to applaud Kirk cause he, he let us down and he did everything he could to, um, to help us win that game and I think that you know maybe that's I can't say it's the first time I've seen that but I, it, it was almost and there's no stats like you had said to back this up I don't I have nothing off the top of my head but just thinking back to all the games this year he kept us he kept us in him he did he you know there were a few games that were just you just want to turn the tv off at half but there were a lot that you, you know we're, we're always sticking around and 
um, getting us those those chances at field goals. And I know there's a couple couple games in the beginning of the season that we'd want back and don't even want to think about. But you know, you think about the Bengals, you think about Cardinals, and you know he did he did what he needed to do for the most part um, throughout the season. And and yeah, there's other there are other things we need to point to um, as scapegoats or as reasons that we didn't make the playoffs. Um, and I think the big reason is, it is Zimmer, but also too going back to Spielman real quick. Like, I'm, I'm shocked that we didn't get Winfield just his Eden Prairie ties. Um, it's, it just didn't make sense. And imagine how great it feel to have Winfield back there for the next 15 years. Right. Um, I think that would just, that'd make us feel a lot better. I'm, I'm nervous that Smith's, Smith is on the downslope. He's still one of the best in the league, but we've we've been fortunate to have a guy like Smith back there at the safety position for goodness, what is it now going on eight, ten years, something like that. Yeah. Um, and with with him out, I, I think it, it would have been a great replacement. So, I, with this all said, it's it's not fair to rip on Kirk for us not making the playoffs this year. We just need to. Bat, batting down the hatches on defense, but I know we were talking about Kirk and I, I roundabout answer here, long walk for a short drink of water. I, I'd say I'd be happy if we keep Kirk. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. BG, your thoughts on Kirk cousins. Yeah. I don't need to talk about it too much since I've expressed my feelings on him and hasn't really changed. I'm definitely on the pro Kirk cousins side. Um, it's a split house between Zach and I and Jared and Dylan. Um, I know they're anti Kirk, but I'm a Kirk believer. Um, he is, he has some issues obviously with his pocket awareness and mobility. Um, but as you guys touched on, we easily could have been a playoff team for a number of reasons. If Dantzler knows to get his heels on the end zone line, instead of four yards beyond there, if cook doesn't fumble, if Greg Joseph makes a kick and a couple other, uh, examples, but if we win those games and we're 11 and six, 12 and five, which I think we weren't too far away from Kirk cousins would be in the conversation for an MVP quarterback with the year he had, if we flipped those games, which weren't on him at all because he put us into a position and others on the roster uh, couldn't get it done for us. But he had so many game winning drives or so many um, potential game winning drives. Uh, He had that overtime win in Carolina. He had a great statistical year. And if we're a playoff team, we're 11 and five. And he has those same numbers with a couple more W's next to his name. I think he is absolutely in the MVP race. Um, So I think people saying Kirk is the problem is kind of ridiculous. Um, I think it's the coaching crew and the defensive problems that we've had. It's, it's tough when you're putting upper 20 points a game and you're, you're losing um, almost double digit games in the year. It's, it's not on Kirk and I'll just say this quick. It's he had two or three bad games. Like we talked about before. And even the MVP this year, who's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately has had bad games this year where he's, he's, where he's had multiple interceptions where they've been beaten 38 to three by the non-playoff New Orleans saints. It's it's just going to happen. And Vikings fans, I don't know why we do it, but we get so hard on Kirk cousins when he plays bad and not high enough when he plays really, really well. And in our, in our lifetime, he might be the the best Minnesota Vikings quarterback we've had other than that one Brett Favre season. So I hope that we keep Kirk cousins. I think it's going to be hard to get rid of him with the contract that we have. Um, 
I'm hoping that we keep him for that one more year that he has left on his contract and we open up the doors to see what other opportunities are. But I do like Kirk. I do like having him. I think he's talented enough to go for the long haul if we have a supporting cast, which right now we don't. So um, I hope that we keep him. Yeah, and I'm still under the belief that this team is a few uh, good drafts or uh, good pieces added in free agency from being a real contender. I mean, I, I still think that we have the weapons on the offensive side of the ball. We have the quarterback. We need to sure up the inside of our line, but our tackles uh, seem pretty solid right now in, in, in O'Neal and Darisaw, and those are the two hardest positions along the offensive line to fill, and we got them filled now. Uh, Ezra Cleveland had, had a pretty decent year at left I think he was at left guard for most of the year. Bradbury's been a mess. I think you got to get rid of Bradbury. Al Udo should never play another snap of professional football, at least not for the purple. Uh, I would expect them to cut him th- this offseason as well, try to draft somebody, bring in some guys if you have to, give Mason Cole an, an opportunity to start next year at one of the guard positions if you have to. But I, I think if you can sure up the offensive line, this, this offense is going to be really good again next year. And they, I think they had seven games this year where they were over 30 points, and that could easily be broken next year. I think if you just add one more piece along the offense line, Kirk is a, is a very uh, healthy quarterback, knock on wood, but I think in four years he's only missed one game, and that was because of the COVID positive test, which he would have missed, vaccinated or not. Uh, and that's a great stat for a quarterback to have because, as we always say, the best ability is availability, and that's what Kirk Cousins is great at. He's going to play almost every game, almost every season. Uh, and knock on wood again that he's not getting some sort of knee injury or something in the offseason or next year, but he's been a tremendously durable quarterback, and that's what the Vikings need and want. Uh, and you still have some pieces on the on the defensive side of things. I mean, big questions now with what do you do with Anthony Barr, Patrick Peterson, uh, I think McKenzie Alexander, Woods, a couple other guys now. Uh, up for contracts this year. I'd love to see him get rid of Barr, but you still have uh, Kendricks and Hunter and, and, and Harrison Smith. Those are pieces you can build off of and build around uh, on the defensive side of things. you got to get some corners, and you got to get some more interior defensive linemen. I think Daniil Hunter staying healthy for an entire season would help, obviously, a ton. He's a game-changer when he's in there, and we need him to start playing for us or get rid of him, but in my mind, this is a Vikings team that can reload and make another run for it next year. But uh, BG and Zach, do you think that we should bottom out, uh, trade everybody, cut everybody, get as much value as you can, free up the cap? Because as it's projected right now, we're $11 million over the cap. Uh, so that basically gives us no room to sign free agents, no room to even sign the upcoming draft class. So obviously they're going to have to make some changes uh, with the cap because they can't even sign the, the draft class coming up. But what do you think the, the long-term strategy, or I guess at least the strategy for next year, should be? You know, I'm with you. I think that we have enough on this team right now with our veterans um, to make a deep playoff run. We, there's just some small holes that we need to fill, like that interior offensive line and the cornerback position for sure, as well as coaching, which I would hope um, – improves from an overall coaching stance and offensive play calling stance and just um, improving our 30th ranked defense or whatever we were. I think the combination of that um, can pretty easily make us a good quality 
uh, playoff team with Kirk Cousins, with Delvin Cook, with Thielen, with Jefferson, with the guys that we have. So to answer your question, no, I don't think it's time to rebuild. Um, I, I'd be, and I don't know what we would need to do financially to make that work. I'd be fine uh, not re-signing Barr since he has not been able to stay on the field. Um, but beyond that, I guess we'll have to make room somewhere to hopefully get a, a better corner in here. Um, potentially from the draft, looked at a mock draft today, and it had us taking the Cincinnati All-American cornerback in the first round, which I love that pick. I think that'd be awesome. It's but awesome. Uh, to get back to it, um, yeah, I don't think we should rebuild this year. If all goes to hell and we miss the playoffs or we have a subpar year this next year, I think that it might be time to relook at rebuilding um, two years from now since Kirk's contract will be up and it would maybe make sense um, to have a quarterback who's either a rookie or just not as expensive as Kirk and start to rebuild your team and put money elsewhere um, other than the quarterback spot, which is kind of the hole we're in now. So I'd say stick it out for a year at least um, and then reevaluate. Yeah. What do you think about Patrick Peterson? I'm in the in the boat of bringing him back for another year. I thought he was pretty solid in, in Zimmer's scheme, but maybe a lot of it depends on who the next head coach is. But I'm not opposed to bringing Pat P back. Yeah, I know he was a huge fan of Mike Zimmer, and he said that he wanted to play um, with the Vikings for the foreseeable future. But all that was said when Zimmer was the coach. Um, so I don't know if whoever the next coach and GM is going to change that relationship he had with Zimmer and potentially Spielman. Um, but if he wants to stay, I'd love to have him back. He was by far the best cornerback we had on our roster, which isn't really saying much, but he, I thought he performed really well, especially for his age. Um, he's a good veteran leader to have around younger corners to teach them the game and how to be an all pro cornerback. Um, so, yeah, if he's not too expensive, which I wouldn't imagine he would be, um, I'd love to take Patrick Peterson back and have him potentially lead this cornerback crew again, hopefully with some other counterparts to work with. Right. No, I'm with you. Uh, we can go through the uh, head coaching candidates here real quick. So this is from BetMGM. Uh, the odds for your next Vikings head coach. The favorite, as I mentioned before, is Doug Peterson at plus 350. Eric bien from the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 400. Brian uh, DeBall, uh, he's at plus 450. He's from the Chiefs as well, right, BG? Do you know him? I don't know. I, th I think he is. I'll look it up real quick. Uh, but his name is is the fourth on that list. Um, no, no, he's from the Bills. Excuse me. Offensive coordinator from the Bills. Uh, so he's at plus 450. Brian Flores, who was just fired from Miami Dolphins, plus 800, and then Andre oh. Patterson, uh, co-defensive coordinator for the Vikings, defensive line coach for a while as well, uh, plus 800, um, fifth guy mentioned. Flores got a bad, bad break down in Miami. That didn't make any sense to me. I, I, I like him a lot, but maybe that's not what we're looking for um, to fit our uh, needs on, on the offensive side of things. I don't know if he was more a defensive head coach or not, but he, he had, I think, almost 20 wins in three years, which on our standards wouldn't do it, but with the pieces he had down in Miami, that's a, that's a hell of a job. Um, he won eight of nine to end the season, 
I don't know what more he could have done to keep his job out there. I, I'm very confused about that, but I don't know. What do you, what are you guys' thoughts? Who would you guys prefer, prefer to sign? Yeah, I think Flores would be pretty cool just because he's a young guy and I think overperformed with the uh, talent that was on his roster. But um, I'd definitely be down for a younger head coach with an offensive mind, um, not a defensive coordinator like Andre Patterson. Uh, would not be a fan of that, as well as Doug Peterson. I'm just I'm hopeful for a new quarterback to freshen things up and a new GM who has that same vision. Uh, so potentially a Byron Leftwich, um, a Kellen Moore, although hopefully he won't repeat passing to your star receiver once or twice like he did in the wild card round of CD Lamb. But um, when we were when we were doing the podcast about 20 minutes ago, I got a Bleacher Report notification that the Vikings interviewed Kellen Moore, which I didn't know about. So that interview is complete, um, which I think just happened or we just found out about it. Um, so yeah, a young offensive mind, I'd say my top three, no order would be Leftwich, Kellen Moore, and um, the Dolphins guy, Flores. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Flores. I don't really know much about him other than the fact that everybody in the media was saying that he shouldn't have been fired, how great of a job he's done with Miami and the, the lack of talent and yet still managing to, uh, I think, rattle seven off in a row at one point this season. Granted, it was against pretty bad competition. I think all of those wins were against non-playoff teams, or almost all of them. It was a lot of Jets and and random other bad teams. But I don't know much about Flores. It, it sounds like people would like him here. Uh, I'd be fine with Doug Peterson. I thought he kind of got a bad rap in, in Philadelphia. Obviously won the Super Bowl. And I think he's got a pretty good offensive mind. And I don't I don't know what his coaching style is like, but we just need a, a completely different style from, from the defensive-minded, old-school Bill Parcells disciple-type football coach that Mike Zimmer was because clearly that's not resonated in the locker room anymore. Maybe it's the new generation of players or, or just simply a new philosophy. But we need to do something uh, to, to get our head coach and our ownership and management team on the same base with the players because clearly there was a big disconnect there. So, yeah, I don't have super strong opinions just because I don't know enough, I would say, about uh, all the options. But I'm confident that we'll get uh, get the right guy and hopefully take a step up next year. I mean, Zimmer has done a great service to the Vikings as finding some stability among the organization, getting some, uh, I think, two NFC Championship game appearances and bringing a little bit of stability to Minnesota. Uh, and now you have to build off the, the foundation that he left here, which is a, a pretty mediocre franchise, but not one of the bottom bottom 10 teams like we were uh, for, for some crazy years with Christian Ponder and Leslie Frazier, and we were all over the board. Uh, but, but now it seems we've settled down a bit. We've added some pieces, and now you could get a new head coach, a new GM, and maybe make a run at a title, a legitimate run, not one that you're getting blown out Um by teams in the NFC in the playoffs. So let's move on. Let's talk a little Minnesota Wild. And they haven't played much, Zach, but when they have been playing, I still haven't really been watching them. They're fourth right now in the West, 47 points. I believe Colorado is in first with 53. So they're still in the, the heat of it in the West. They still have a chance to win the uh, the conference, but we haven't played. We had five games in the past 31 days, the seven postponed games now have been all due to COVID outbreaks against opponents, not from the Wild. Um, and, and now with the rescheduling from the NHL, the Wild will have 
48 games in about 77 days, which is a a pretty insane uh, stretch of hockey for any NHL team. But the uh, the Wild have the back against the wall now, all the way up and until the playoffs, really. Yeah, that's when you told me that that that's just tough to hear because especially um, trying to keep our guys healthy, which we've. You know, it's every team's had a struggle with it between COVID and and injuries this year. Um, COVID didn't help at all. Uh, trying to keep guys on the ice, um, and I know we had that mix up with Zuccarello hitting Buke said in practice. I don't know if you heard about that. I didn't. Um, he uh, a couple when was this? A couple weeks ago, um, last minute of practice or something. This is what I heard or read on the news. That he um. Uh, last minute practice, actually, I don't know what the situation was. Hit him, hit him somewhere in the, with a stick or something. something oh, like with that. the and skate when he got cut. With the skate, could have been. Uh, he, it was. Buke said he landed him out. I think he's still been out about six weeks. Um, but I, I, that's not confirmed how long he's out. I, that's just their initial report. Um, but and then also that it was that same game right around there with uh, with Boston. Uh, Kaprizov got hit. Even though he's back, we're all good there. But, um, yeah, just the, the injury bug here, my point I was getting to is that you're playing a game every other day. Um, there is going there is bound to be way more injuries than that. And then now with all this COVID stuff, uh, I guarantee that that's not our, you know, I, I guarantee we don't get every single game in uh, during that current, in that uh, current time frame because there's just going to be more cancellations, more teams are going to get it. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a great great setup for the Wild, which is really too bad because our team we look good this year. But given everything going on, it's I wouldn't be surprised either either way we end up um, missing the playoffs or making the playoffs. It is a good division this year, so we'll uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Uh, we're gonna get some guys back this weekend. Doubleheader against the Chicago Blackhawks uh, Friday night in Chicago, Saturday night in Minneapolis, or I guess I should say St. Paul. Uh, but Erickson Eck expected back in the lineup Friday night uh, against the Blackhawks. He's been out since the 20th of November, so several months now. Uh, it's going to be great for them, obviously, to get uh, Jewel Erickson Eck back on the ice. And then there's a chance uh, on Saturday night that Spurgeon could be back in the lineup. He's been oh, uh, he's been out for a while with, I think it was a lower body injury, they called it. Uh, he came back yeah. a couple weeks or maybe a couple like a month ago or so now. Uh, re-injured it back out for a while, but he could be back. He was practicing with the team this week, um, so we could could see some new faces or some some old faces back on the ice uh, this weekend, which would definitely be good. Um, Bukestad, I was looking for his injury, and nobody's really saying what happened. I did hear about somebody getting cut by a skate at the end of practice. It must have been that. Uh, must have been that, yeah. It says he's out um, indefinitely. Um, yeah, it, we were talking about this the other night. Apparently, NHL, they don't release uh, specific injuries. Um, there are teams that they're not obligated to, like the NFL is. Yeah, I was um, noticing that today, honestly, uh, looking through all the injury reports. Cause they're, so Eric's neck, they said, upper body injury, not specified what it is, and for Spurgeon, lower body injury. Yeah, super bizarre. I don't know what it was. Um, Brady, do you remember that conversation we were having a couple nights ago watching that game when uh, that guy in the Cardinals got injured? Um, they were giving us updates like every minute, it seemed. 
and you get an NHL guy that goes out and you don't hear about him for another month until it's like, oh, he's, he's back. It's like, oh, shit, I forgot he was on this team. <laughs> right. So it's bizarre how they do that. But Brady, do you remember what we were talking about? Is that when he, the, you're talking about the Cardinals guy who hit Cam Akers? Yeah, that guy. And then he went out, but we were hearing updates like every five minutes. And then we were talking, like, why don't, why don't they talk oh, yeah. about him in, in NHL? Yeah, um, they're giving like the five minute update from the hospital, <laughs> it seemed, and that like he was okay. And I mean, which is good to know. But yeah, it's just, it's weird how different it is from sport to sport. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. really make too much sense. Zach, maybe you already said this, but is Kaprizov back? He he is back. Yeah. Okay. Because that yep, was a dirty yeah, hit, and now I'm reading that oh. that guy. Uh, what's his name? Who was the dude who laid the hit? Oh, uh, f- um, uh, Trent. I don't think Trent Frederick. Frederick. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Federer. That's a tennis player. <laughs> so I don't think we um, talked about it on the pod, but if you want to explain what happened. Well, yeah, it was. Um, that was a kind of a, a wild game in Boston. Um, we, let me, let me pull that up that. Yeah. I, can, okay, I got a description. So I guess it's just saying that Boston Bruins winger, and it was a dirty hit. I watched the replay of it, but they're saying that he's not, he wasn't disciplined by the league. Many were expecting a suspension. The league didn't issue one. Uh, Dean Evison says, quote, we anticipated the league would take action against a hit like that. And it didn't. Uh, we are absolutely disappointed. I would hope a lot of people that watched it were disappointed you don't want to see somebody get suspended and lose their livelihood, but that has to get out of our game, and it didn't get taken out, uh, didn't get taken care of uh, appropriately. So that that's the yeah. head coach Evanson. That's just the freaking Boston way, man. It's just the shit they've been doing for years. Um, you know, led by Mark Marchand, he's done that. It's, he just lives by that shit and makes a name for himself. I mean, he's a very good player, but um, his antics like that, I think it rubs off on the team and. I don't know. I, I really don't like Boston in any sport, um, but especially I just dislike the Bruins, and that, that made me pretty upset seeing that. And we ended up winning that game. It was a sweet game, um, stealing one in Boston there. That was pretty awesome. Um, but to see Kaprizov go down like that, star guy, Kaprizov's been beat up too much in his early career here in the NHL, and that's – I don't know if that's super uncommon for guys to go after your skill guy. Um like that, I and mean, I, I love the I love the support that Kaprizov has on our team. We've got some guys that really got his back. I, um, Felino, I just I hope we keep him forever. Um, yeah, I love that guy. He's always he's always in the scrum and he's never letting anyone touch that guy. But yeah, Kaprizov, he's had some man. People people are out for out for blood for him. And I mean, he's one of the more skilled guys in the NHL, so it makes makes sense why people want to take him out of the game. But that shit they do in Boston, man, it's it's different. I don't like it. It's um, it's like they were doing in, in Vegas too. I felt like they were kind of taking uh, a, uh, what's it called? A card from their uh, sleeve. That's not the right a page saying. Out of their, a page out of the Boston book. page out of their book. There we go. Yeah, the Boston book, even though I, Boston does it because they're not the, with Charagon, they don't have the biggest team, but um, I, I digress. That was annoying. Um, but yeah, Kaprizov's back. Um, and that's sweet. I didn't know that Eric's neck was coming back and, and I hadn't heard about Spurgeon in a while. So, mm-hmm. um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's definitely good to get those guys back. Hopefully we have another game against Boston. I'm sure we will at some point, but, uh, hopefully Felino's healthy and he can get back in there and, and ruffle, yeah. some, ruffle some people <laughs> so up. Too. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some payback coming for that hit. Um, oh, most certainly. a dangerous boarding play, uh, up against the boards, obviously, but a, a dangerous play, 
and it was clearly just targeting Kaprizov, trying to take out the wild best Wild's best player, and, and it was successful. Uh, Frederick didn't get uh, suspended, and there was a penalty obviously called. I think it was a two-minute minor, no, no five-minute major. And yeah, that's, no that, was the, that was absurd. Mm-hmm. That that's the part that really pissed me off too, and I, I don't know. Maybe they're just used to seeing Marshan play all the time. Those refs up there, wherever their crew came from, and it was like, ah, okay, let's let this go. It's just annoying. But yeah, hopefully we get another shot at Boston. I'm going to look at the schedule here. Um, I'm sure we'll have one here at home, which will be a great game. Yep. While you do that, let's move into pick segment. Um, and we now got Andy joining us on the pod <clears throat> ahead of a. Uh, a big playoff matchup at Lambeau Field with the 49ers coming into town. Randy, how are you feeling about all things related Packers? Uh, I think, I don't know if I've felt this good about the Packers. Oh, boy. Um, in my entire life. Oh, like, boy. With, we got you I mean, right where we it, want you. Ian Rappaport said this week came from the words of, of, of Rappaport, Rap Sheet himself, but... Like a team that has gotten this healthy in the playoffs, you know, again, I've been seeing it for the past two months, I feel like. And we've got three all pro players coming back for the playoffs between Zadaria Smith, J.R. Alexander, and David Bakhtiari. Um, I mean, it's, it's the Packers Super Bowl to lose at this point. Um, I expect us to thoroughly dismantle the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I guess the, uh, the thing I am, thing I'm probably worse, most worried about is, um, uh, is, is Kodak Black and Super Gremlin making an appearance as the, uh, Niners walk out onto the field. Um, but besides that, I have the utmost confidence in the Green Bay Packers, uh, to put up 40 points this weekend. Was Kodak Black on the field? For the uh, wild card? I guess there was a video that went viral uh, this weekend of the uh, the Niners coming out of the locker room. Yeah, with the big speaker on the guy's yeah, shoulder. Yeah, and and, and they're playing and they were playing Kodak Black. Oh, okay. Evo Samuel was just absolutely vibing. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo even. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy was singing. I watched the whole video. It's a sweet yeah. video. <clears throat> but I saw it, it on TV was, too. Uh, it was you only the offensive linemen for like, what the heck is going on here? But <laughs> yeah. No, they were loving it. That was hilarious. I'm sure they're going to do that again. I mean, why not uh, bring it to Lambeau? But it's a ridiculously large speaker. I think it was, I don't know what the strength. It's got to be the strength. <laughs> it training. looked custom, too. Like, that thing wasn't like something you'll buy off the shelf from Best Buy. Oh, no. I don't know what. I, I forgot the brand of speaker, but I was going to look it up. I'm sure it's like a $10,000 speaker. I mean, <laughs> the thing was massive. Uh, and and I, hope, uh, I hope they bring that out again. And if they do, it's got to change the line a little bit back yeah. in favor of the 49ers. But oh. as it currently sits, it's it's Packers minus six. It's going to be an 8-15 kickoff. What's the, uh, what's the temp for Lambeau? Um, it's probably going to be around, I don't know what that feels like temp will be, but um, probably anywhere from 5 to 10 degrees at, tip, at uh, kickoff. Okay. Uh, and there's as of right now, there's a 50% chance of snow oh. uh, during the game. And it's one of those things where, like, if they're saying 50% chance of snow, what is it, three days out now, then it's probably a good chance it's, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a snowy one. So um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great game if it, I mean, Niners would love to run the ball. And that's, I mean, I think it's this, the worst feeling 
uh, in in football or being a football fan is going up against a team that can just run the ball down your throat. And that's what the Niners did to us two years ago in the NFC Championship game. Yep. Um, and, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm under, under the mindset that I want to crush the Niners this weekend and that I want the Bucs to win and I want to beat the Bucs in the championship game and basically avenge two years of NFC Championship losses. Um, like I, like I've, I, maybe it's, a, it might be the last year Rogers had sent it to me, but, um, I want the hardest road to the Super Bowl as possible. Just knowing mm-hmm. if we go, whether it's the chiefs or the Titans or the bills, whoever it is, like if we can't be the best team to the NFC, then we won't be able to be the best team to the AFC. So give us the hardest road to the playoffs as to the Super Bowl as possible. Um, and let's crush all the teams on the way, make them all come to Lambeau. That's an unprecedented amount of confidence uh, for for a Packers team who hasn't fared very well as a number one seed the last uh, 15 years, <laughs> 16 years, something like that. Uh, but I like the confidence, Randy. I hope it works out for you. Uh, let's move into pick safe to say, Randy, you're taking the pack at minus six. Oh, 100%. I'd take them at minus 10. Okay. Whoa. We'll give I'll, it. I'll take, I'll take them at minus 10. Just why not? Okay, wow. you want him at minus 10? Minus 10. All right. I'll take him at minus Alternate 10. line, Randy. Uh, I love it. Zachary? Yeah, I, I'll take I'll take two wins if I if I cover that. I'll also take two losses if I, uh, okay. if I uh, lose that. Deal. Committee approves times two, daily double. Uh, Zach, your thoughts? 49ers money line. Wow. Ooh. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if anything, their run game got better, and I don't. I don't see you guys stopping that Debo Mitchell combo. It's just, just disgusting. I don't know how anyone stopped that. If the I mean, the Cowboys made that game, but everyone knows that game wasn't close. Um, came back at the end. I don't know. You know, Dallas is a weird team, and I'm stoked. I'm stoked that the 49ers are playing the Packers. I Cowboys were going to go up to Lambeau and lose. Thirty-one to, 50. to seven, but I think I think the Forty ers call me crazy. I think they got one of the best chances in the NFC right now to beat the Packers. They just they've got it. They got a complete team right now, and they're, they're coming together. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with the Niners is is that basically the key to being the Niners is you just got to go up. You got to be up first. I mean that's a team that 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 wants to get ahead early and they just want to run the ball. What made that game so close this weekend with the Cowboys? I don't know if you guys talked about it yet, but it was Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball when he didn't need to be throwing the ball. Yeah, that was, um, there was some bad play. Bad like, in my mind, it's, you know, if 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 we win the toss, I think we're definitely taking the ball. Um, and if we can even put up three points on our first drive, then we're in the driver's seat. Because I think with that, with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm of that offense, all you need to do is have a lead. And then just dare Jimmy Garoppolo to come back and beat you, because I will take our defense and our offense uh, over <laughs> over Jimmy Garoppolo storming back from behind. I mean, if, if you looked at all the quarterbacks left in the playoffs and said, you know, who who would you want coming back down from a deficit? I think Jimmy Garoppolo would probably be last of of the eight quarterbacks remaining. Yeah, if you had to, you know whether it's in the first quarter or the fourth quarter. I mean, it's it, the key to the game for the Packers is getting an early lead. 
and then just hold on to it, force you to grab the throw. And uh, there's your 10 point win right there. There you go. Tell McFlurry, McFlurry the good news, and uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a good game. I love it. BG, your thoughts? Yeah, there's been a lot of confidence on both sides so far, and I'm going to keep the confidence going, saying that I'm very confident that the Niners will cover plus six. Uh, I think that the snow tremendously favors the 49ers in this matchup because they're going to run the ball on whoever, and throwing the ball in snowy conditions is a hell of a lot harder than running the ball. Um, Also, I wanted to point back to the week three matchup between the Packers and Niners where the Packers only won by two against the Niners in their fourth string running back, where they had a total of about 60 rushing yards that game. Um, So with a healthy Elijah Mitchell and crew, um, I expect the the Niners to potentially win, but I think for sure cover against a Packers team and a healthy Packers team, like Randy said. Um, But I I think it's a really tough draw for the Packers, like uh, Z Beasley said. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like the uh, I like the Niners in this snowy, cold game in Lambeau Field. If Andy's giving us a correct forecast of five to ten degrees, I, I think that's a huge difference between twenty or twenty-five degrees, especially if it's snowing because your hands are that much colder. You're it's that much harder uh, to operate as a uh, <clears throat> passing unit. But I, I love the 49ers, the way they run the football, especially in the playoffs. They, they ran it down the throats of the Vikings back in 2019. Like, at one point, it was 13 consecutive runs. And, that was uh, disgusting. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the worst It's the worst way to lose a football game because you're – I don't know why, I guess, but it's just awful. It sucks because you have you, – there's nothing you can do to stop. Yeah, it's demoralizing. But I like the Niners getting six points. Has thrown for you know even week seventeen it was below zero at Lambo through for three hundred yards against the Vikings. I mean it's like, yeah against the, a depleted Vikings defense who had struggled still, all year. I mean I think but... I, I think the Packers are still going to be able to throw the ball. I mean I, I don't think they lose their advantage there. I think if anything it takes the passing game out of the Niners, which again like if the Packers get a lead it's going to be hard for the Niners to come back because I don't I don't see how Jimmy Garoppolo can move the ball downfield at a rate that can put the Niners back in the game. Yeah, we'll definitely see. And the over is set at 47, so fairly low uh, line there. But we'll see how much – what's that? Take the over. Packers will put up 40 points in that. Okay. 40 of those 47. I I like the over too. I I definitely like the over if it stays at 47. Um, Snow is overrated. Wind is on. I guess wind is probably properly rated. Okay. Now, thank you for that take. What day, <laughs> what day is this game? It is Saturday night, the eight or uh, seven fifteen. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's keep it moving here, and we can just hammer them away with BG if you had to go right now, BG. I have to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing them on the fly right now. So okay. I'm, I can do it, but it might be a, a tiny bit delayed response. No worries. Uh, let's go back in time now to the Saturday afternoon game. It's Bengals and the Titans. Titans, three-and-a-half-point favorites. BG, will start with you. Who do you like in that one? Word on the street is that my good friend Derek Henry is coming back for this game, so I'm taking the Titans. Titans. B or uh, Sorry, Zach. Oh, man. Uh, three-and-a-half, you said? Three and a half. Yep. All right. I say Bengals lose by three. I'll take Bengals in that one. 
Randy? Zach, that's exactly my logic. Bengals lose by three. Yeah, it's going to be a sick game. I'm pumped. It's going to be the best game of the weekend. I, I think you're right. I, I'm thinking that too. Burrow's been electric, dude. This has been, it's going to be awesome. And I don't know. I don't know, I don't know about Tannehill, man. I, 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 I just want to pick Bengals winning this one. I don't know, though. I, I know BGS to go, so I won't ramble for too long. Uh, but I've also, you know, been away. But I think what's going to make that game better than Bill's Chiefs is there's going to be some, like, tomfoolery with, like, a fumble or a, like, there's, it's going to be almost Niners Cowboys esque. Like, so the game, the, the game is going to be drunk. The game is going to be drunk. I mean, that, that's also, uh, not, you know, give, give me by halftime of the, uh, the Packers, Packers Niners game. That'll be, uh, um, that'll be when I'll start. Uh, no, I'm not I'll saying you. I'm on. saying the game. Like, you know, sometimes oh. <laughs> the game just gets drunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, the, 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 that game will be more drunk than Bills Chiefs. Yeah, which will make it a more exciting game to watch. Yeah, okay, I can buy that. I'm gonna ride with the Titans on the news I just heard. It was breaking news for me that Derrick Henry is back. So, shout out BG for that. I'm I'm rolling with the Titans if if Henry's back in the lineup. Uh and it could it could be a drunk game. It could be a, a fun one. Uh, we haven't seen a, any drunk games, really. Uh, I guess that you're saying the 49ers-Cowboys game. I guess it could have been, but it wasn't a great football game. It was a very poor wild card weekend, super wild card weekend, I should say. Uh, I'm hoping this weekend picks it up. Let's go on to the Sunday matchups, 3 o'clock game, L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks are three-point favorites. BG, who do you like? Uh, it's in Tampa, you said? In Tampa. I'll go with my heart and go Rams. I'd like to see Stafford keep going in the playoffs. Rammers, they looked good last week. Zach, who do you like? What was the spread again? Three-point favorites are the Bucks. Oh, geez, that's going to be I'll, – I'll take Bucks on that one. Yeah. It's going to be a sick game. I, I might take it back. I think that might be the best game of the weekend. Fuck, Bills and Chiefs. I don't know. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun. We can go back too. and talk about some of these. You got the Bucks too, Randy. I'm riding with the Bucks. I don't bet against Tom Brady, especially in the playoffs. Um, and I guess I should I should say they did miss uh, their left tackle. Wars was out last week. Yeah, Went out, yeah. got knocked out of the game, I should say. And uh, as well as Jensen. I don't know the status of those two guys this week. I guess I'll say if both of those guys are out, I might switch my pick back before game time, but I'll uh, I'll keep you guys posted as I do some more research uh, on the matchups this weekend. Bills and Chiefs are last game of the weekend. BG, or I should say it's at the Chiefs, Chiefs minus one and a half only. Uh, BG, who do you like? I'll go with Chiefs minus one and a half. I'll take their spread. I think it's tough to go into Arrowhead and just beat Patrick Mahomes, period, even if the Bills are super hot. So I'll go Chiefs. Zachary. Chiefs, yeah, I don't see anyone. Be, I think the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl. And Sorry. Randy? I'll, um, I'll take the Chiefs. It's hard to not bet against Patrick Mahomes. All right, everyone's with the Chiefs. I was going to hit the Chiefs too, but let's ride with the Bills. Why not? Bill's year. And uh, that'll do it, I guess, for pick segment. Did you want to talk about any of the games more, Randy? Uh, if you had any notes or bits on Rams, Bucks, or Bills, Chiefs, I think they'll both be incredible games. I'm looking most forward to the last game, the Bills and the Chiefs. 
Uh, I, I just think that'll be absolutely a great environment at Arrowhead, and those two teams hate each other. So that's maybe just maybe just a moment of appreciation for modern medical science. Cam Akers tore his ACL, I mean, not his ACL, his Achilles six months ago, and was a freaking stud this weekend. That's crazy. Um, just bodying players, knocking people out. Um, like that is like just absolutely incredible to me where like a torn Achilles 20, 30 years ago, you know, might not be career ending, but you're not coming back the same player after an Achilles injury like that. Uh, and within six months, he's back on the field. That's absolutely amazing. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, definitely a, a, a sign of the times, I should say with the recovery time and JJ uh, Watt as well, who pulled off uh, what seems to be an annual uh, thing for him getting hurt in the first few weeks of the season, recovering just in time to make it to one playoff game and have no impact. Get your team team gets blown Overrated. out and you're uh, uh, out of the playoffs. Overrated indeed. Basically had no impact, at least from what I saw. Hey, he did have one, I think, TFL in, in the loss. But nevertheless, certainly shout out to uh, Modern Medicine. Here are the records for everybody through now, I don't know how many weeks we've done picks, maybe 10 weeks, but here are the records. I'm 15 and 10. BG is 12 and 13. Randy is 10 and 15. And Zach is sitting at 9 and 6. Uh, so we got to get Zach's game count up. We're going to do that in just a second. We got a bunch of games for him to pick uh, to get even with the rest of us. But uh, for just four games this week, and we'll keep it going throughout the rest of the playoffs. Uh, but Zach, do you want to go through? the five extra games you're going to pick this week to get on pace with everybody else. Let's do it. All right. Just some random college basketball games that you had no say in. You might not even know some of these teams, but we're going to, we're going to let you pick them anyway. We'll start with Purdue at Indiana. Purdue coming in as three and a half point favorites. Who do you like? Ooh, that's tough. Purdue's playing well. Sweet double overtime. Winner versus Illinois. I think I got to Purdue. Purdue. You got it. All right, next game. I'm sure you know a lot about these two squads. It's South Dakota at Western Illinois. Western Illinois opens as a six-point favorite at home. Who do you like? Ooh, no-brainer. It's Western Illinois all the way there. <laughs> okay. WIU in that one. <laughs> Gonzaga at San Francisco. Uh, you were hyping this up in the pre-show, Zach, as being a big-time matchup, and it could be. We never know. Uh, but San Francisco comes in getting 15.5 points. Do you, do you like the points, or do you like Zags in the blowout? Uh, yeah, that's tough. I know San Fran is a really good you know, mid-major team. I think they beat Loyola this year. Oh. Gonzaga's a different, different breed, though. Uh, yeah. Well, let's, go. let's go San Fran. San Fran and the points. I love it. Just got to lose by uh, 15 or less. and Ain't too hard, right? You hit. Exactly. All right, out to the Pac-12 we go. It's USC at Colorado. Colorado getting a point and a half at home against the Trojans. Who do you like? Let's take Colorado. Colorado at home. You got all, not all home teams, but three home teams. That's solid. And now for the final game, South Dakota State at the prestigious University of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. St. Thomas getting eight and a half at home against the Jackrabbits. Who do you like? 
Oh boy. Yeah. I was telling you every time Brady and I are hanging out, it just seems that he's like, Oh, St. Thomas up 30 on a team that never heard of from Minnesota. (laughs) So maybe that plays into it. South Dakota state jackrabbits, eh? The jackrabbits. That is their Mm. mascot. That sways it a bit. Let's go jackrabbits. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Love it. Riding with the rabbits. Um, okay, cool. Now we're all squared away on picks. We'll have 29 games each at the end of this week, and then we'll see where everybody stands. Randy, any other thoughts on last weekend, on this weekend, or you as well, Zach? Uh, but I want to give you both a chance to get to talk about uh, some games. You, Andy, you missed the first half. We were just talking Vikings pretty much and, and all the uh, – the mayhem that's ensued over the last few weeks. But did, did you chat uh, the Lane Kiffin rumors? Uh, we didn't chat any Lane Kiffin rumors. Is he rumored to Minnesota? Well, if you look at, I mean, this is you know, just, just stuff that I was just going to do is that, you know, Kiffin has lost a lot of his um, coaching staff in just the past couple of weeks, which is pretty quick to you to lose, not just like coordinators, but, you know, running backs, coaches, secondary coaches, like, you know, position coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least the rumor on the street is, is that the, um, the Wolves um, are, uh, would be down with Elaine Giffen coach, but at the same time, they, I, again, correct me if you've heard something different, but they want to hire a GM first. Yep. Um, and then right. let the GM have a role in the head coach head coaching position. So, I mean, I don't know how much that will change things, but um, I think Lane Kiffin would be super exciting. I mean, yeah. you know, Nick Saban, like, Nick Saban said that he's the best offensive coordinator he's ever had, which is a big stamp of approval. I think he's, yeah. I think he's served like non consecutive stints as the Alabama. Um, Alabama offensive coordinator, and he's always had success there, kind of in between his coaching stops. Yep. Uh, I mean, I think he's probably a, would be a better NFL coach than Cliff Kingsbury. He's probably a better offensive mind. Um, big thing would be, you know, he, who he'd bring in from the defense. Um, but I think with, like, between Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, um, Kiffin could do some fun things with that offense. Yeah, I haven't seen any rumors with him or any uh, request to interview or anything like that. I don't know if they actually have to do that for a college coach. Maybe they do. Uh, but I would I would be on the lane train. He's electric. Great follow on Twitter. Hilarious dude. I don't know if he'd be great or if he's the most qualified or anything like that. But I think it would be certainly an exciting hire. I would be excited about it because uh, you're bringing the lane train to Minneapolis. And that dude is just a, uh, a walking headline wherever he goes either positive or negative, uh, he's uh, certainly a character. Yeah, I think, you know, there was some interviews done this, uh, this this past year where it was clear that Kiffin wasn't a fan of the uh, the water situation in, um, in wherever Ole Miss is. Um, he was the FAU, Florida Atlantic head coach. Yep. Um, apparently was a frequenter of uh, South Florida clubs. Uh, the beaches, big boat guy, um, and I'm sure the lakes of, uh, you know, like Lake Minnetonka would suit him much better than uh, some of the grimy lakes of um, of, of northeast Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, what state? I don't even know what city Ole Miss is in, but, yeah, no, I, I think you could get behind that. I just don't know if he's the most qualified guy. Uh, has he had any stints in the NFL? 
I mean, he was he's the he's still the youngest head coach in NFL history at 31 years old when Oakland hired him. Oh, okay. um, it was Al Davis's maybe his last hire before Al Davis died. That was the whole you know he was he uh, he took the Oakland job at 31, and then Oakland Al, Al Davis drafted uh, who was the Ohio State um, quarterback that was a huge bust, uh, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, right, Russell. Um, and he just couldn't do anything with Jamarcus Russell. That's like you know he has his stories about how he would. Um, send uh jamarcus russell like fake film and fake yeah um like playbooks like grill him on questions of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, he, clear that he wasn't putting in any work at all <laughs> well i think yeah the story was something like they sent him home with a bunch of tapes and they were all blank tapes and they asked uh jamarcus to to watch them all and then the next day it comes back to practice and they ask us so what'd you think of the tapes and jamarcus was like, oh yeah they're great very helpful uh, yeah, great, great stuff. And there was nothing on him. <laughs> You're kidding. They they knew that he didn't watch films, so they tricked him? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, that's so awkward. Yeah, not a good not a good look for, like, a number one or number two overall pick. But, yeah. No, that, uh, I guess, I, I didn't even know that Lane Kiffin was the head coach at that point. The Raiders have had some very interesting head coaching hires. Uh, yeah, holy cow. That's a wild, wild fan base and wild. I mean, that's that's what the Raiders are known for. Is they hired John Gruden. um, Well, John Gruden, yes, he was in his mid thirties, I think, when they hired Gruden the first time. Um, John, yep, John Madden was in his mid thirties, I think, when they hired um, Madden. Um, I got. I mean, that was when Al Davis ran the team, but that was kind of Al Davis's mo was trying to hire the hip young head coach. Um, Giffen was the last guy for, for Oakland, uh, or at least for Al Davis in his tenure there. Um, but again, I think, I think it would be good for, you know, again, depending on who he could bring in a defense, but I, there's no doubt that he's in, you know, he's an offensive mastermind. No, I, I would. I'm totally on the lane train. I think I'm going to title this episode Lane Kiffin to Minnesota question mark, just to create <laughs> some artificial buzz, uh, that the media loves to do. Um, but yeah, no, and that, uh, that would be awesome. I don't have anything else. Randy, any final thoughts? Um, I mean, go pack looking for it. I mean, I, I don't know if, if, if you had this, um, this feeling this weekend, Brady, but, um, I mean, I was watching what was the Sunday night, what, the Sunday night game was the chiefs, right? Chiefs yep. Steelers. And then Monday night was, you know, the Rams, um, Cardinals, you know, destroying the uh, the Cardinals and you know both games were already over by halftime but yep. um I mean I felt I, I was I, I watched every second of both games uh because in the back of my head I'm like football's you know coming to an end here in the next you know three four weeks um which is which is pretty sad <laughs> yeah so um I mean eat up all the football you can this weekend even if the uh if the games don't turn out you know, is uh, you know whether you're a fan or, or just hoping for good football. But it's um, we're coming out of that time of year. We'll be transitioning to college basketball. You know, mm-hmm. I, I jumped on. You guys were talking hockey, um, NBA. Um, I don't know Winter Olympics. <laughs> Winter Olympics. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking. 
We'll be talking some Winter Olympics. <laughs> Breaking down some figure skating. Oh, yeah. And hopefully some <laughs> uh, uh, some Jesse Dickens Olympic gold uh, winning clips where the announcer just loses his mind. Yep. I don't think it, it was before we started this podcast was the last Winter Olympics, but on the podcast at St. Thomas that I did, we that was one of our shows. We start, we introed with uh, the announcer like losing his mind. He's like, Dickens, first goal. Oh, my God. Just losing his mind. <laughs> Uh, over a Minnesota cross-country skier who won the first gold medal, I think, for the United States ever in cross-country skiing. But, yeah, we'll definitely be talking some Olympics and a lot to look forward to. But, yeah, hopefully some better games this weekend. It was kind of a dud, uh, super wild card weekend. Definitely hoping and fully expecting some some closer games. I think this slate of games is a lot closer in, in terms of quality of teams uh, in basically every matchup. Um, so, I'm expecting yeah. some good stuff and, and some good football this weekend. And and, and I'll end on um, and we had a great golf tournament this weekend. This is the you know between now and the Masters is the best stretch of the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, tours coming to uh, Brady, your home home event uh, in uh, Palm Springs. Oh yeah, uh, this weekend uh, we had the news of the uh, you know the Netflix you know Drive to Survive producer is putting out a PGA Tour show. Yep, um, that's, that's going to be sweet. And the list uh, is like the 20 athletes or whatever, the 20 golfers they're going to follow. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. have it up, but it's some, some awesome guys, a bunch of young guys like Morikawa, Spieth, Thomas, and some Europeans. But I don't can't think of all the names, but some awesome guys that they're going to follow all around on that show. And, you know, and, and I'll put this on the record now, but the guys that, you know, that, that maybe non-golf hands will be most around to will be the Harry Higgs and the Joel yep. Damons of the world. Yep. In fact, those guys, Max Homa, yep. uh, you know, some pretty fun young golfers. Um, so that's going to be fun. But I mean, it's like I think as as football comes to a close uh, in the winter, the you know sports kind of opens up in a way where there's so many different offerings to choose from. You know, makes for fun podcasts where one week we'll be talking about Olympic hockey and the next week we'll be talking about you know, PG tour or formula one or <laughs> whatever the hell it is. Right. So, um, all's not sad that the football is coming into it. And it's, uh, it's a good time to be a sports fan this time of year. Yeah. And one last thing back to the golf with, with Joel Damon, he is a, an un, pretty much an unknown PGA tour player. A couple of years ago, I want to say it was three years ago. Now, one of the years that I caddied in the PGA event in, in Palm Springs for one of the amateurs, was one of my amateurs was paired up with with Joel Damon and his caddy is hysterical. They're both oh, funny. They're goofy guys. They're just goofing around out there. But great, great Twitter follow. Gino Benelli is his name. Great yep. Twitter follow. He is hilarious on Twitter. And if he gets on that show or they they're following him around for even just a day, he'll do some goofy stuff. And I I'm calling <laughs> it now. He will be a star of that show. He'll be like the the Formula One coach, the German dude, uh, who kind of total wolf. Is that the guy's name who kind of ran away yeah. with, with F1? Everybody loves him. Just a good dude. Uh, I think that'll be uh, Gino Pinelli caddy for Joel Damon in the upcoming uh, golf series. And, and and I'll say no one out there. Uh, and, again, I feel like we've been saying final thing for the past five minutes now. But <laughs> if you haven't watched the uh, the Netflix Drive to Survive show, and it got me into Formula One from, I don't know, maybe July through the end of the season in November, um, like it's a – like that whole the whole concept around it, even if you start back, you know, their first season covers the 2018 Formula One season, but it you get to know um, 
you know, it's, it's a combination of getting to know the, the people in the sport. So the, the athletes themselves, but also understanding the sport itself. And I think it's that sort of combination that gets people hooked and it's, you know, it's gotten me hooked on formula one where I follow, you know, formula one teams, formula one media members on Twitter. I'm looking forward to the, you know, the, the first race in, um, you know, upcoming in March. Um, like if, if the PGA tour can have that same success, it's going to be huge for the game of golf. Um, not just from a, like a watchability level, but also I think from, you know, people going out and buying clubs and playing as well. So highly recommend if you haven't watched Drive to Survive, uh, you can open up Netflix and, and start it right now. It's, um, if you're a sports fan, it's going to be tough to put down. I completely agree. Let's end it right there. Randy, good to talk with you. We'll recap all the games from this coming weekend next week, and we'll see you all then. Children